This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 103 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Broadcast recently had a hangout with Simon Fry, where Simon was talking about how we reach the unreached people groups. And in this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the recording of that hangout. You can find the full notes on everything that Simon had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 103. So here is Simon Fry. Great. Okay, so yeah, my name's Simon Fry, um, um, one of the elders at Christchurch in Helsham, and uh, I've uh, been here for the last two years. And as Rada said, I set up a charity in uh, 2008 uh, called Life Bridging Works, which um, has a specific um, focus on trying to reach the unreached uh, in East Africa. Uh, just to give you a little bit about myself first, before I look at the subject of uh, uh, reaching the unreached, I had the great privilege of growing up in a, a Christian family and I actually became a Christian at the age of six years old and um, it was a you know, genuine commitment um, but I didn't really live the Christian life until I was 16. I always knew that Jesus was true but I sort of wanted to do my own thing and I, I tell you this because I actually got the call to uh, work overseas during this period as a 11 or 12 year old uh, lad my parents used to lead the youth group at the local church and after um, the Sunday evening service they had the youth group and I had the choice I could either go home and go to bed and be looked after by my big sister or I could stay up later than normal and go to the this youth group where there'd be lots of 15 to 20 year old girls there as well so my motives weren't exactly pure but I chose to go to the youth group quite regularly and um, sometimes I chose my sister's company but not not very often so anyway so one of these times that I was there I um, there happened to be a missionary come to speak a guy from South Sudan him and his wife and he shared not South Sudan sorry from Egypt and he shared um, quite honestly and openly about how hard it is to be a missionary in Egypt and he actually started to cry as he as he shared this now me at that time as I told you I was there I wasn't going on with God my motives weren't pure and um, in my sort of time at school, I was trying to be a tough guy. So I really, I should have sort of been laughing at this guy for, um, for, for crying because, you know, that's what wimps do, not what tough guys like me do. But I felt God speak to me during that time and say, one day you'll do this. And so I remember as an 11, 12-year-old lad saying, OK, God, yeah, but when I'm really old, like when I'm 16 or something like that, because, you know, when you're 12, 16 is really old so um, anyway funnily enough that's in the sovereignty of God when he called me back to him so when I started living for God at 
16 sort of years of age, I knew that I would be going um, overseas or involved in overseas work at some stage. So when one of the elders of the church I was in then, it's now called Citygate Bournemouth, was Bournemouth, Bournemouth Family Church back then, uh, started getting involved in Uganda, straight away I was, hands up, me please, I'd like to, to come along too. And then when he uh, sort of said, also, I really feel it's right for us to try and be reaching the unreached, um, I was keen to, to get involved in that. So they approached Wycliffe Bible Translators and they said to Wycliffe Bible Translators, do you have a, a tribe that we could um, help work with you, sponsor for the Bible to be translated into, into their language? And they said, yeah, we do have a, a tribe for you. It's in South Sudan. So on my first trip with uh, the elder uh, from uh, Citygate Bournemouth, a guy called Ken Matthews, actually turned out to become my father-in-law, but that's another story. But uh, uh, he, um, we, uh, we went out there and uh, it happened to be at the same time that they, we, we also went over to Kenya to meet this guy from South Sudan and um, to, to check out whether we really wanted to form a relationship with him and, and sponsor this work to reach his people group. At the time, there's only five known believers from there. And when we got over to Kenya to meet him, he was just about to be kicked off the, the Bible translation course because he had been ill for the last six weeks, missed six weeks of lessons and was falling really behind in his studies. Also, what was going on, there was some demonic stuff going on in, in his room at, at night time. So we were able to pray for him and God miraculously healed him. And, and the demonic stuff stopped in his room. And even though he only had two weeks left of that particular semester, he was able to catch up in all his studies. And that was his best performing semester out of his whole time at Bible school. So we saw that as a really clear sign that God uh, had want, wanted to link us as a church with this people group in, in South Sudan, um, a, a tribe called the uh, Taposa tribe and um, uh, over the years God has really uh, begun to move in that tribe it's come with lots of challenges both um, from where you might expect from you know, external forces but actually also had challenges come from where you didn't expect within uh, uh, sort of teams and stuff like that uh, uh, from from time to time but actually God has really blessed the work and he, um, James who uh, was translating the Bible. Actually, once he finished his training, was able to go back and live amongst his own people in 2005 and begin translating the Bible. He planted a church in 2007. He also then was able to, to set up uh, a school through uh, our charity, helped him uh, set up a, a school out there because he found one of the ways uh, with his tribe, they're a warrior tribe, and uh, most of them, well, half of the tribe wanted to continue being a warrior tribe, but half of them were saying, we want our kids to be educated, and he thought this would be a good way in to sort of win the community uh, favour, which, which it was. Um, sadly, obviously, uh, in 2013, a civil war uh, broke out in South Sudan, but that's not stopped the, the gospel um, flourishing out there. I've, I've still been out there uh, several times uh, uh, to see James. He's, he's still doing a great work. And amazingly, in the last two years, they've just seen absolute breakthrough amongst their people group. They've seen over 5,000 people saved, over 15 uh, churches 
planted and God is doing some amazing things. So one example is a 12-year-old lad uh, got, uh, got saved and he's just gifted musically and in terms of remembering things. So what he has done when he hears a, a Bible story or, or, or a parable or something like that, he's turned it into song and uh, the people are singing uh, these these lads' songs, as the, and it's helping them to learn theology and learn something about God. So that's just uh, uh, amazing to see. Another another amazing story that I found out this last time I was um, out there back in uh, end of January, beginning of February, was one of these villages had been resistant to the gospel and chased away some of the people that were trying to to share the gospel with them, and. Uh, these uh, two lads were out looking after the animals, as, as they do, and um, a bird came down and landed on the guy's shoulder. Uh, it, was a, it was a dove, and the, the older boy there said, flick that bird away. And uh, the younger boy said, I can't. I can't move my hands. And then the bird spoke to them and said, why are you resisting the gospel Get those people back to come and share the truth with you of how you can be saved. And so and then the bird vanished, didn't fly off, it vanished. And so the boys ran and uh, told the elders of the village what had happened. And as you can imagine, it got the elders attention. And so they sent to uh, the town where um, James is for James and his team to come and to share the, the gospel with them. That's happened just this December uh, gone. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, God's doing some amazing stuff with them there. Another area that I'm involved in is in the, with the Horn of Africa. I've been involved with the Horn of Africa now since uh, 2013 with a particular people group there. And God has just taken that from being a group of uh, individual isolated uh, believers and shaped it into a movement which is reaching out, seeing, um, uh, growing in faith, seeing some people saved. It's slow work coming against persecution um, uh, as well, but just just knowing uh, the hand of God of it and that work spread now into amongst their, their people into Kenya and into other areas around the Horn of Africa. So that's a little bit about uh, me and um, the areas that I'm involved in. Now, why am I involved in it, which is why you've logged into this uh, webinar, uh, whatever you call these uh, these things. Um, well, you know, we serve a sovereign God. We serve a God who is in control of all things, who has all authority, who has all wisdom, who... Um, from the tiniest detail to the, the mightiest thing that happens, God is in control. And it should be no surprise to us then that actually when we're talking about reaching the unreached, when we're talking about going to the nations for, for, for Jesus, actually, when you look at it, it starts all the way back in the beginning. If you go back right to the beginning of the Bible, right to the first chapter, to Genesis chapter one, it talks about God making uh, man and woman in his image. And then in the very next verse, he, talk, he blesses them, tells them to be fruitful 
to go and fill the whole earth, to, to uh, rule over it and to subdue it. Now, of course, how would a perfect man and woman created in the image of God rule over the world and subdue it? They'd do it in a perfect way. Or in other words, they would, they would bring glory to God as the waters covered the deep all over the earth. They, they would do that. So that's always been God's intention. Of course, you know uh, the story and what happened. Sin came into the world and brought about a, a separation from God. Was God's sovereign plan ruined? No, of course not, because he all, always had a rescue plan. And uh, and then you go on a little bit later in the Bible and you find that he takes a man called uh, Abraham, renames him Abraham and leads him to the promised land and says, I'm going to give your descendants this land. And so he gives the people of Israel the, the promised land. And in that land, they're called to uh, bring about God's rule and they're called to bring about uh, God's reign and be like a kingdom of priests to the nations. So the nations, the Gentiles can say, God, this is this is how we're supposed to live. Well, let's come and worship the, the God of Israel. But of course, because you know your Bible history, you know that actually the Israelites frequently uh, didn't live up to that calling and ended up getting exiled out of the land and spread all over the uh, the Babylonian Empire and then the Persian Empire. And um, but God had a plan in that and a purpose uh, in that. And even after uh, they were sent back under uh, Cyrus, the, the great some remained, but the seeds of what they believed had been planted in all the uh, surrounding nations. Then the Greeks came along and uh, uh, took over most of the known world then and brought about a universal language, Greek, that everyone could could speak. And then the Romans came along and brought about good and uh, clear, straight roads and, uh, and made it safe for people to travel. And so the time was right. The Bible tells us a time had fully come when Christ could come and Christ lived that perfect life. He was the only one that the father could look down on and say with him, I am fully pleased. And he obviously went to the cross to die, to make a way for us to have our relationship restored with God. That sin that Adam had committed right back at the beginning in the, in the garden that drove Adam out of the garden out of the relationship with God, out of the presence of God. Christ on the cross made a way for people to come back and have that relationship restored. And then he rose again victorious. And just before he was ascended, we get these uh, famous verses, which will be familiar to you all from Matthew 28, where he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And of course, in a way, the Great Commission is just a recommissioning of Genesis 1 verse 27 but because of sin had entered the world people need to what they would have once done naturally because they were perfect because of sin they need to 
do supernaturally for a relationship of Jesus. They need to be forgiven. They need to have that relationship restored and have the Holy Spirit living inside of them to begin to live uh, a life that actually will bring glory to God. And then they need to be taught how to obey God. So it is the, the Great Commission is just a recommissioning of God's uh, original plan. And, uh, of course, um, in Revelations chapter 7, you get a little sneaky peek at the end of the book. Now, my wife does this with books all the time. I find it so annoying. She does it with films too. She says, what, what happens at the end? What happens at the end? It's like, I don't know. We're watching the film. And with books, she, when she gets a book, nice big thick book, she'll read the end of the book first just to make sure she likes the ending. I'm saying, that's the whole point of the book is you don't know. And But anyway, she said, oh, I'm not going to read it if it doesn't have a happy ending. Well, thankfully, God would seem to agree with my wife. And in Revelation 7, he gives us a little sneaky uh uh, sort of preview at the end of time where we know that before the throne of God there are people from every tribe every language every tongue worshipping Jesus and uh, and so we know that actually this will happen what God has as us and God tells us or Jesus tells his disciples in those famous verses that will be familiar to you all I'm sure in Matthew 24 verse 14 that the gospel of the kingdom will go out to all nations and that's ethnic groups i'm sure you, you've heard that before that's all all nations and then the end will come and you know it's a it, that that is in a nutshell if you like why we need to go to the nations because the end cannot come. I the older I, I get, the more actually I want Jesus to return. The more horrible things you see on the news around the world, you think, God, Jesus, when are you going to come back? Well, he's told us he's not going to come back until all the gospel has gone out to all nations. Now, a statistic I found on uh, in the Wycliffe uh, site for, uh, back, back in 2011, I haven't found a more recent uh, statistic than, than this. Uh, they're reckoning is that at that rate in 2011 of Bible translation, by the year 2036, that every known language in the world will have a portion of Scripture. I think that's phenomenal. It's not saying Jesus is going to come back in 2036, let's make that, that clear. But to state what Wycliffe said again, that by, uh, at the current rate of Bible translation in 2011, by the year 2036, Every known language in the world will have a portion of scripture uh, in, in that language. So that's phenomenal. And that is uh, amazing. That means that we uh, in our generation can actually potentially see this great commission fulfilled. Who knows how long the end will be afterwards? But that's a, that's a different question. But we have we have a role to play. We have a part to play. And God wants to involve you. In that, And God wants to involve me in his story. It's an amazing privilege we have. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to, to 10, it tells us not only are we saved by grace through faith, but actually that God has good works for you to do, which he prepared beforehand in advance. He wants to involve you and he wants to involve me in his eternal purposes of bringing uh, his 
gospel to the ends of the earth, causing people to live in a way that brings glory to God all across the world. And that's a, that's a wonderful privilege. You know, uh, I, I'm a dad. I've got four uh, kids and I've seen all of them learn to, to talk. My daughter's first word was no. My first son's first word was dad. Get in there. Good one. My second son's first word was dad. Yeah, great. Get in there. Last son, third son's first word was poo. But uh, hey, there you go. Second word was, was, was dad. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, as they learned to talk, they couldn't form their words properly. They would slur with their speech. But actually, as a dad, I wasn't there saying, you stupid boy, it's this. You know, this is how you say slippers. It's not slippers, it's slippers or that sort of thing. Actually, I was just delighted that they were learning to talk. And it's the same with you and I. You know, we often feel like, oh, we're no good at evangelism. We can't, we can't do that. And we often get confused with our words and that sort of thing. But God loves it as we try to share our faith with people. And as my kids learned to walk, again, they'd often fall over. And I didn't, you know, we didn't chastise them for it and say, you stupid boy or you stupid girl, why are you falling over again? You did that last time. Didn't you learn? No, I was just delighted that they were learning to um, to walk. And the same is true with us as we try to live the Christian life and as we try to go about doing what God has told us to. God is delighted. Yes, we make mistakes and we fall over. But actually, God wants to use you. He could use angels and he could use birds and doves, like I told you in that story. And we all love that sort of thing. And we all wish that God would do it more and that God would do it to people like Richard Dawkins and stuff like that and scare them and into being Christians or something like that. But actually, the Bible tells us, Ephesians 3 goes on to say that it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is being displayed in the heavenly realms. God's preferred way is to use you and me with all our failings, with all our fumblings, with all uh, our weakness. He wants us involved. That's why, actually, in the beginning, God could have made billions of people all over the earth, but he didn't. He made Adam and Eve, put them in the garden because he wanted them to be involved in working out his eternal purposes. And he wants you and he wants me to be involved in, in the outworking of his eternal purposes and, and plans. And then just one last thing I wanted to uh, read to you and, and just share with you on this, this theme. And it's from 2 Peter, and it's all in the context of Christ uh, returning. And it says this, in verse, starting in verse 7, but by the same word, the heaven and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you not wishing that any should perish. You know, we can so often feel like, oh, you know, we're on a, on a back foot all the time. That Oh, no, no one's going to get saved uh, through us. But actually, that's not true. The Bible tells us that God is, one, is patient. And the reason he hasn't come back yet is because he wants to see more people saved 
and added into his kingdom. And his primary way of doing that is through you, as I've said already, and is through me. He wants to use the church. Anyway, the passage goes on to say this, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come, so talking about the end of the Lord here, like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness waiting for the coming of the day of God? Oh, no, I've missed something out. It doesn't just say waiting for it says waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. God, in his sovereignty, who in eternity past had fixed a date where he would return, he would send his son to return, that date that Jesus, when he was on earth, he said, no one knows, only the Father in heaven when he returns. That date that's, uh, that God and his sovereignty has fixed, Peter here tells us that we're not only waiting for that, longing for that, when he's Christ to come back and restore all things, but actually you and I have a part to play in hastening, in speeding up, in quickening the return of Christ. I don't understand it. It would seem, it would seem uh, heretical if it wasn't there in black and white in the Bible. But you and I have a part to play in speeding up the return of Christ. He wants to use you and he wants to use me. And we can get involved in, in various ways in trying to help the unreached. Now, I'm sure that, that that sort of thing will come come up in some of the questions. But uh, uh, he, it's actually the reason why, as I said, God didn't just create billions of people and put them all over the earth in the beginning. He just he made Adam and Eve. And the truth is he wants to use you and he wants to use me to play our part in taking this gospel, not only to the people around us, not only to the town we're in. And in one sense, any generation or any any area is only one generation away from being unreached if the church doesn't do its its job properly in that area. So we have to keep reaching out to the places we are. But we're all called to be involved in uh, in praying for and in, in supporting and for some in going to reach the nations for Jesus. You know, how do you encourage people in your church to get involved? So not just going out, because sometimes it's easy to go out on a donation, isn't it? But how do you encourage them to actually reach to the neighbour, to the relative, whoever? Is that a hard job for you or how's it going? Yeah, it, it, it is a it is a hard job. Um, but uh, we, we, we do encourage the church. We encourage the church through our uh, preaching um, regularly. We encourage them to be uh, witnessing uh, to people. We encourage them through the, if you like, the program that we uh, put on and actually by restricting the programs we put on so that they can have time to go and uh, actually, you know, be out with their friends because you can busy up all your time with church activities that they, they, they've got no time to um, be going to spend time with their neighbours or their friends. But we also are quite strategic in making sure we have um, evangelistic programmes on 
um, for, for people to, to get involved with. We have a range of stuff when we do that. So we do something called Love Helsham, and we're, uh, where we basically go out and we share the good news with people uh, in Helsham where we are. Um, but there's a variety of things that people can do. So those people that may feel a bit scared um, or just uh, um, a bit nervous about actually going to speak to people, there's some um, social action stuff that happens at the same time, like litter picking or painting fences or, or, or that sort of thing. So there's some of that side of things. There's people going out prayer walking while that's happening as well. So they're, they're all involved. And in fact, we encourage people to bring families and stuff. So um, so even some of the kids uh, come along are involved in doing some of the social action or prayer walking. Or, and in fact, some of them, some of the children like to go and speak to people uh, as well. So that's that's one way we try to do things uh, locally. Um, whilst uh, with the uh, overseas stuff, um, uh, we look to try and take people where possible, um, look to try and take teams to get them caught up in that also make sure we're providing information so people can be praying uh, into these areas and if they feel led to be giving to some of these areas uh, as well so that's some of the ways that we get people um, hooked in there's also lots of other things happening within catalysts or new frontiers that you can point people towards to to get involved with there as well if they've got a particular uh, heart for a nation or something that you know we're not involved with uh, then there's usually someone within Catalyst or New Frontiers that they can uh, speak to and, and get involved with there. Yeah, excellent. And, and how do you encourage yourself? Because I'm sure at times it's not just easy to just be going, you know, and to doing the same things over again or even different things. And, you know, thinking about that, what about your prayer life? How much... Um, how much of that is involved and, and how God has developed your prayer life through through being involved in, in things like this? Yeah, uh, it's um, uh, I think a lot of it is, you know, the Bible talks a lot about perseverance and there's just a lot of just persevering of, 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 of plodding. And so sometimes it's been quite difficult. Sometimes it's been uh, quite lonely uh, when you're going through through periods uh, in my life and it's just continuing um, uh, that's saying no I know God has called me to this so I'm going to continue to do it and of course yes it does it does shape your prayer life um, the last few times that I've gone to South Sudan it's you know civil war going on there so that you know you that makes your prayers slightly more honed and slightly uh more more effective and funny enough that it actually you know it, it does affect you going back to the uh talking about perseverance you know you sometimes you know, i'd wake up in the night sometimes and just it'd just be on my mind but this last time i went god and his goodness um i just got a peace i just knew that he would he would be with me and um and so I just had a, I just felt him say, give it all over to me. And I did. And I had uh, had a piece. But it's something that um, uh, personally, uh, I, you know, sort of regularly pray for uh, the nations, the nations that I'm involved with in particular, but uh, the nations as well. And uh, it's affected me in a way, I suppose, uh, uh, of um, I look quite broadly um, uh, at different uh, news stations all around the world um, for different bits of information. So you're not just because whatever country you're in or whatever um, 
yeah, nation you are, that the news comes with its own bias, its own angle, and that sort of thing. And uh, and you can get sort of swept up in the the meta narrative that they're trying to get across. Whereas actually, um, if you read uh, so if you read say Al Jazeera and uh, a report on the same issue from the BBC, you get a completely different perspective. And uh, there's lots, you know. So I, I read quite w- widely in that sense of the news, and that helps shape your your prayer life for uh, um, for the different areas of the world as well. Yeah, yeah, and and again, personally, um, how was that for, for Anna? Because sometimes we feel that we are called together to the same thing, and sometimes you just one of us. If you are married, one of us is feeling a bit more excited about it, and you know, how did you work that out uh, between yourselves? In one, uh, in one sense, God went before me with that. So when uh, we were thinking about getting married, um, God spoke to uh, Anna and said, "I'm going to be sending." Um, Simon to some uh, dangerous places uh, and you, you, you mustn't stop him so uh, uh, you know if you're going to marry him you need to, to know that so God had uh, uh, already sort of uh, uh, oiled that uh, for, for me but um, it um, but yeah if Anna actually felt no, uh, felt like she couldn't release me on something then uh, I, I wouldn't go we haven't actually come to uh, to that uh, yet but uh, um, if she did feel that um, it w- wasn't right I, 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 w- I would listen to that because we're, we're a team here she gets in many respects the harder um, the end of the deal because uh, you know I go people are often praying for me and I keep saying when I go to places make sure you pray for Anna because uh, funnily enough if something's going to go wrong it often does go wrong when I'm all away I'm not a big one for giving the, the devil credit for that sort of thing but actually it there's often stuff that will will go wrong so one of the times when i was working with the guys in the, the horn of africa um our, our um, boiler uh, packed up never packed up before it packed up then another time when we were doing a, a conference in in south sudan um my my mum nearly died actually and one of my mum's words was don't don't tell simon let, let, don't bring him back but uh, um but actually you know god thankfully kept her but there was a number of things like that that actually if something's going to go wrong it seems to happen uh uh when uh, when i'm away and uh, and actually anna has to bear the consequences uh, of that and sort it out and she does it very graciously very uh, prayerfully and she still releases me the next time sometimes she uh, is able to come out with me uh, as well so that's uh, that's great she hasn't come out to south sudan yet and that's a big uh, cost to her because she feels as strongly about the work there as i do and has been involved with the work there uh, as long as me but because she would because of the stage of uh, age of our kids she she didn't come in the early days and then when i was going to take her um the uh, the civil war broke out and it's probably not wise for both of us to go because if something does happen you never know when your your time's up but uh, um there's a sense in which we don't want our kids to be totally orphaned so uh, <laughs> there's a there's that side to it as well just speaking frankly right and um, could we talk a little bit about unreached people groups and a little bit more maybe about your experience a bit more um, on how to how to get involved, 
not not on the specifics, if you don't mind, because I want to ask you some specific questions later. But just a general, what, um, how would you think about it if someone thinks, I think God is speaking to me about this. How would they go on about exploring a little bit, um, where to go, how to do it? What, what, what is your advice? Uh, well, uh, firstly, I suppose it depends on who um, is asking that question. If you're, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a church member, in that sense, it would be good to go and talk to your uh, your pastor, your, your elders about that sort of thing, and to get some of their uh, input on it. There's some great stuff that New Frontiers puts on to, to sort of feed into that. I believe Andy McCulloch's got a day coming up in is it June or July about reaching the unreached in, in Reading. That would be a good uh, day to, to, to get along to there. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's, there's things uh, like uh, that. Um, if you're a, a church leader and you're thinking, how do I get involved in some of these things then again but you know speak to your particular apostolic uh, network they can often link you in and even if it's not necessarily in the area that you're uh, specifically think you know god's beginning to put on your heart it's good to get a little bit of experience and go along with somebody who uh, has been uh, sort of uh, working with uh, unreached peoples for a while just to you know there's lots of things you you can learn and there's no point reinventing the wheel if you can go along with someone and, and pick up some things and you and you may find that you know you um as you get involved with that person actually that's where god wants you to be for for a season before he releases you into maybe the area that you had on your heart uh, in in the first place so that that would be my advice get go and speak to either your pastor or your apostolic um, uh, point, uh, point of connection there. Look at some of the different days uh, and events that New Frontiers are, are putting on and so that you can uh, go and hear from people that are, are already doing it and learn from what you can from people that have gone before you and, and maybe even look to serve them for a bit and then you can see uh, God will open up stuff for you. Brilliant, yeah. Um, you know, what you were saying about some of the miracles that that yes. um, happen, and um, could you give us some more examples? Because usually, it's in unreached people groups that, that God breaks out in miraculous incident. And what can we learn from from them actually? Because I guess you want you were talking about Joseph, and I guess he's indigenous. Um, uh, person. So, what can we do? To, what, what can we learn from them in the way they accept God, and how can we then take it for us and maybe share it where we are in our own context? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, there's quite a lot in in that question. Um, so, um, there, in terms of some of the other. Uh, uh, miracles and stuff that God is doing because God you know God does um, often where the uh, when he's reaching new um, unreached people group he speaks in dreams and visions and uh, and things like that and he helps uh, prepare uh, the way so um, one of the people that we uh, were were reaching had a series of of visions where this cloud this he described it as a sun cloud would come into his room and 
and basically say, you know, I'm Jesus, I'm your creator, do you believe this? And uh, and each time he kept saying, no, I don't believe it. He was from a certain sort of background, and uh, to say that Jesus was your creator, uh, you know, was just not in his, his thinking at all. Um, but each time God would say to him, something is going to uh, happen to you or something's going to happen to somebody else, and it did happen. And uh, this guy, you know, really did get quite sort of freaked out by it initially. And then he um, ended up eventually accepting uh, Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. And then once, funnily enough, he got plugged into a church. There's a whole load of uh, events that went before that where he had to um, uh, leave where he was staying and uh, um, uh, face some persecution. But once he got plugged into his church, the vision stopped and he... um, he, he never uh, that never happened again, and uh, so uh, I find that uh, quite uh, interesting that God used it to lead him to Christ. But did, but then uh, once he was plugged into a church and had access to the Word of God and that sort of thing, he um, he didn't uh, see them anymore. So that's one of the uh, the the stuff that that, that happened. Um, I think it's it, it's interesting in terms of applying it here. I, I think there. They're great for building faith. I think that's where you, uh, you know, use the stories to encourage uh, Christians um, of um, that you know God can move even when things uh, seem seemingly impossible. And uh, you, they're, they're great for um, inspiring people to pray because actually, um, uh, I know from it was a, from Fever radio station. Um, well, Far East Broadcast Association, when they, when they were reaching the Islamic world, they saw a dramatic uh, change when uh, people really got a heart to pray for the Islamic world. All of a sudden, they started getting hundreds of letters of, of people who were seeing visions and stuff like that. So it should definitely uh, encourage us to pray for God to uh, to, to move in these, situ- these situations. Um but uh, we should, I don't think we should, uh, I think it should give us faith that God can still move with our friends and, and meet with them in dreams and, and visions uh, and stuff like that. But as, as I was uh, sharing in my talk, uh, God's primary way that he likes to use, it's great when he uses the dove and that sort of thing, but he likes to use you and he likes to, uh, uh, to use me. So I think uh, it should encourage us to be sharing uh, our, our faith more, knowing that actually if God can use a bird, actually he can use you uh, in a in a, in a much a greater way, even though it you know it's with all your weaknesses and uh, that sort of thing. So um, I think that's some of the ways in terms of sharing it with uh, you know your sort of uh, non-Christian friends. Um, yes, sometimes uh, that um, you know the. They can sort of make them think, wow, okay. But normally, I think they it, it can make them think, yeah, are you sure about that? Unless you know, uh, unless you can actually then introduce them to that person. You know, sometimes some people you can you know bring over to this country and or your country or whatever wherever you are. Then I think it can sometimes raise more skepticism, certainly uh, in uh, in the UK context, uh, than it. Uh, and then it does raise their faith in, well, I'm sure God must be moving there. So, um, yes, yeah, so I, I would see it more as something that can inspire the church, encourage the church to pray more and encourage the church to believe that God can uh, move in their difficult situations.
That's really interesting. And have you have you seen any fruit in, in reaching the unreached people's groups that are already in the UK? Are you involved in any of that? In in reaching some of the um, uh, so there there yes yeah, so well interesting enough um, uh, one of the groups that I'm involved with um, it, uh, in the Horn of Africa actually um, whilst I was out there this last time. Um, they've put me in contact with somebody who is a, a believer um, uh, from that group in the UK. And that's something that uh, I, I need to follow up further. So I'm only back about a week or so and I've been catching up with uh, other things, but I need, so uh, haven't seen fruit as yet in terms of uh, um, uh, seeing people save and from that background and where I live. Um, there's not, it's quite a, uh, um, English-dominated uh, uh, area, but um, but there are some contacts being made, and also some of the other contacts that are happening is so. Well, I'm also involved, which I ha haven't mentioned, in in a country in Uganda, and um, I've been bringing over one of these Ugandan leaders to help me teach uh, the these people from the Horn of Africa because he's got so much to teach them. That was part of my heart, but the other side of it was I wanted him to get a heart to reach Muslims. And uh, that's happened. And this last time I was out in, in, in Uganda, uh, I brought over one of the guys from the Horn of Africa to go and teach in his church about reaching um, uh, Muslims for, for Jesus. And um, he gathered over 20 leaders from, from North Uganda and uh, for a seminar to hear it. And then from that, they've arranged a mission to a town in Uganda called Mbali, which has become largely Islamic, with a specific view of reaching Muslims for Jesus. And they want me to bring these guys over again to do further training uh, with them on how to, to reach Muslims. Um, and, uh, and this is the first time in, in Uganda, do lots and lots of missions all the time, but the first time it's been specifically focused on reaching um, the Islamic community there. So I think that, there's some crossover fruit there from some of the other areas I'm involved in, not necessarily directly here. Like I say, I've got that one link that I need to, to, to follow up um, with here. Yeah, brilliant. It's, it's always amazing, isn't it, how you, you go to do something and then when you link people, maybe they learn even more than from each other and they're culturally a bit more, a bit closer then, then we would be, it really translates well for them, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, it does, it does. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's they are, in one sense, they're closer uh, culturally uh, speaking uh, to me. But then, um, funnily enough, actually, sometimes that closeness can lead to greater hostility um, because of the, the, the tribes and that are maybe maybe fighting, particularly in some of the areas that, that, that I go. So you, in your mind, you might have a strategy of, well, we're going to reach, we had this in South Sudan, we're going to reach, help reach this tribe, and there's a tribe next door to them that we've got some contact with, and God might open that up. But actually, that's sort of closed down at the moment. Maybe in, in, in a few years' time, that might open up again. But... Um, but it's not it's not quite work like that. But but where it does, it's it's beautiful to see and to see people loving one another that wouldn't naturally uh, love one another. It's you know you see something of the beauty of the of, of the body of Christ there, and when they're working together for, uh, to take the gospel out to the ends of the earth, it's it's a privilege to be part of. 
Yeah, brilliant. Well, quite a few people are asking things like, what does it, what does it look like for us to, to, you know, to play part practically with unreached people's groups? Okay, yeah, that's a that's a good question. And uh, it, um, what does it look like practically? Um, well, I mean, firstly, all of us can be praying uh, for the, the unreached people groups of the world. There's lots of um, uh, stuff out there that that you can uh, get um, a hold of, or, uh, operation uh, mobilization that has all the nations of the world and breaks down the statistics of them, you, things like that. You can use to pray where you know of um, people that are going. You can you can you can pray for them. Um, I think particularly in the west we often think very individualistically about the, you know this or how can how can i personally get involved um and uh, uh, and god may be calling you uh, in one sense is calling all of us personally to be involved but what some of the ways that we personally can be involved is through uh, helping others that are already uh, doing the work and releasing others are do, doing the work and uh, supporting uh, others that are, that, that are doing the work so that's um, another way that we uh, uh, can get involved on, on on a personal level we often think oh yeah I, me, me and my ministry in that sense I want to do something but actually God may uh, God may have put you where he's got you in a great job or with great savings or something like that to, so that you can help release others and even through doing that he might release you into uh, uh, something um, but uh then there's um, there, there's ways that we can do it, uh, I suppose, through uh, short-term uh, mission trips as well, getting involved just to test the waters and, and to see going along with uh, with people that are uh, already, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, experienced in uh, in that. And uh, again, through networks in New Frontiers, there's lots of opportunities um, there potentially to to to, uh, to go along. Uh, with with people and um, if you're uh, a, a church leader in that sense um, again there's all you speak to your uh, uh, sort of apostolic contacts and they may have some uh, people to get in, uh, for you to get involved with you could go to Wycliffe Direct I started with a, um, um, that story um, it was Wycliffe that got uh, the church back in Bournemouth initially hooked in with the people in South Sudan. Since then, uh, uh, the Ken, who was the elder, sort of headed up that thing, and myself, who was on the wider leadership team that were involved, that we've moved on. So that's kind of come with us because the relationship, uh, I suppose, was primarily um, uh, with us. But it was through going to to Wycliffe Bible Translators and uh, getting him, asking them, is there a tribe, and uh, the the model with them normally is you just, you know, you can just, you know, give give the money to it and pray for them. But we didn't, you know, we said, actually, can we look to, we don't want to do that. We want to build a relationship with them. And so there's uh, there's that there's that option uh, as well if, you know, if you're uh, a church leader. But definitely we're all called to be praying and um, and and to some extent, if, you, if you're able to, supporting uh uh, some of the work that's going on. There's a, a statistic that I didn't share because so many things I, I could share, but um, it's it's probably slightly dated uh, now, but it will be largely true that um, 
87% of, um, of church funds um, goes uh, on themselves. 12% goes on mission where the church already exists. And it's less than 1% goes on reaching the unreached. And, uh, mm. you know, if you're a church leader, don't let that be true of your church. If you're an individual, don't let that be true of your own giving uh, as well. So uh, that would be some of my uh, advice there. Brilliant. Yeah, we have an interesting question actually. And what is your view in getting the balance right between getting scripture translated in an oral culture and preaching the gospel and raising the leaders of planted churches? Okay. Yes. Um, well, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Scripture is is you know the word of God, and uh, and people. Uh, will ultimately need that whether even if you were to, to speak to a, a Whitcliffe they have um, they have stuff for oral cultures where they I think it's 90 stories or something like that that they uh, they recommend gets translated for particularly for oral cultures where the people can get the outline of the bible and um, the tribe that that uh, I mentioned that I'm involved with in South Stand Toposa um, partic the particular key that's seen lots of people um, saved in the in the last two years is they go into the, the villages at night time because that's when the, all the community are there and they've got a, uh, a, a solar powered battery um, operated uh, projector which they charge up in the daytime and they um, uh, and, and they show the, the Jesus film that has been translated into their language. So um, the, the, um, this is something that James, who leads the work in South Sudan, actually had to wrestle with. He was translating the Bible and uh, he was supposed to solely focus on that issue. But after two years, he said, I can't just solely focus on that while people are going to hell i need to i need to do both i need to preach the gospel and and translate the scripture and, and in reality you know because he's he's, he's 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 not omnicompetent he that means 50 percent of his time was immediately reduced um to sort of focusing on sharing the gospel and uh, and and doing other things other than bible translation so i think the bible does need to be there and need to uh, sort of uh, uh, happen um uh, alongside, but in terms of looking to see people saved, um, then uh, uh, you need to make sure you're putting uh, a lot of effort uh, in, into that. And uh, if that means the scriptures take a slightly sort of backseat for a bit, um, but at the end of the day, when someone is becomes a Christian, then they need they need to uh, they need to be hearing uh, the word of, of God as well, whether that be in story form. Um, or whether that be uh, be read to them in a, you know in a sort of a, a community gathering. Yeah. Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I guess we need both, don't we? Really, it's not. Uh, I, I don't think either is optional. You know, people have yeah. to hear the gospel to actually. If you don't hear it, how are you going to believe it? But obviously, yeah. you know, we need to be raising disciples and leaders, planting churches, all of that. Yeah. Yes. Could you, Simon, could you tell us what would be the two key things that you have learned about reaching the unreached people groups? 
two key things that I've learned. Um, I think, firstly, um, I, I mentioned it uh, briefly before uh, about perseverance, that it's not a quick uh, business. I've been, uh, for, it's you know, 20 years that we were uh, involved with the Toposa people, and actually there was a uh, 25 years of work gone on before that. So, you know, you're talking about 45 years of work to get to a stage where uh, still less than 1% of the uh, of people um, have uh, become uh, Christians. Um, so it does take perseverance. There's lots of setbacks. There's lots of um, uh, difficulties and difficulties you might you, that you may expect you know on the on the ground there and opposition from people there but even you, you know um, the devil doesn't want it to happen and so uh, uh, setbacks and struggles in your own life in your own team that that sort of thing um, uh, and can happen and so it you, it does take perseverance I think that would be the first thing um, that I would uh, I'd say um, uh, that, that, that I've learned. And um, and secondly, um, it's it, it it's a it's a real it's the privilege of of doing uh, of being uh, involved. It's so it's so humbling when uh, you meet people that have um, come from a background that uh, no one else, if you like, in their culture has become uh, Christians, and yet they've become Christians. And you realise actually, I'm I'm part of something here that's helping see scripture fulfilled and uh, it's a very humbling uh, experience and a you know real uh, uh one time when i was in in south sudan and um we baptized the first uh, 200 uh, believers and um uh, james likes to, to to batch them up and i've never felt the presence of god in heaven there as much as i did uh, at that time, just the pleasure of God um, over it, and it, it's yeah, it, it's it's a real privilege, but it's a it's a hard slog. Yeah, brilliant. And could you tell us what would you love to have known a number of years ago? Now, if I ask you, like in hindsight, what would be one thing that you thought? I wish I knew this. Yeah, cool. uh, that's a that's a um, difficult question in a way. Um, yes, yeah. I think um, what would I? Um, I think um, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not actually sure. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, there's there's lots of things. Um, in a way that um, uh, I, uh, uh, I was sort of surprised at you know how hard it was and that, that sort of thing, which just by naivety more than uh, uh, anything else. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was uh, um, the, the whole thing about perseverance, really. That uh, that were that it. It just it needs requires so much uh, sort of a plodding and just just carrying on with it even when it's a uh, very very difficult. But then had you have known known that beforehand, uh, <laughs> it may have uh, uh, sort of uh, made you think twice about uh, you know getting involved with that particular area. But uh, but you yeah, know it's, it's it's worth it because you know 
that it's whenever we try is reached, then the end will come. Brilliant, yeah. And it's always amazing, isn't it, that, that, that when we go out and we think we're helping these people, we are more blessed than actually we feel that we have blessed them, aren't we? So that is one thing that people really should have in mind. You know, yes. you think that you're doing something for someone, but actually these people really bless you and enrich your life, don't they? But, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you are much more blessed. You, you take much more back than you than you ever give. And um, there's a just a there's such a, a, I suppose, a lesson in terms of faith and uh, seeing, you know, uh, uh, seeing how these people um, uh, live day by day, uh, just putting their complete trust in, in Jesus. It, it, it's it's humbling. I, I can't remember. Um, there was one of the uh, guys who I think from New Frontiers who went over to China. And when he came back from China, he he was a, I don't even think I'm a Christian. I don't even think I'm a, you know living properly for for Jesus. And he was a he was a a, a leader. And there is a, that is a, it's a very it's very humbling to be amongst giants and many of whom whose story will will never be told. Um, people you know won't won't know of. And yet in in heaven they'll be the ones that are right down there at the front because they've done some amazing stuff yeah that's really exciting really really good and we are almost at the end simon so just could you give us some details actually provide us some details about your charity and how people can find you because i'm sure that loads of people who are on online now and loads of people who will um watch this broadcast later would want to know a little bit more about live bridging works Sure. Um, yeah, so you can uh, find us on the web. Uh, we have a website, uh, www.lifebridgingworks.org. Um, it's, uh, to be honest, uh, it, it's not the, the most up-to-date website. It's not the best uh, 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 kept uh, uh, website because actually I've always done it, uh, sort of run the charity alongside uh, working full-time, whether it be in uh, uh, working for local government or, or working for for the church, um, so actually the, the the blessing of that is everything that we raise currently, uh, you know, is going uh, straight to uh, the work that's uh, that's overseas. So it's not um, there's not lots of administrative uh, costs going on. There's a small amount, but um, not lo loads of that. Um, and uh, yeah, there's uh, there's information about about us there. Or you can um, uh, send me a, an email, uh, which would just be to, uh, it's all uh, one word, lifebridgingworks uh, dot, uh, at gmail.com, uh, lifebridgingworks at gmail.com. Um, and or just, you know, look, look me up at Christchurch Helsham and uh, send me uh, a, an email there. So that's... Uh, yeah, that's how um, that people can find out a little bit more about the charities. So we're involved in mainly East Africa and the, the Horn of Africa um, in uh, Uganda, Kenya, um, uh, South Sudan and, and uh, Ethiopia and some other places uh, as well. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that Simon had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 103. See you next time.